anointing to bring the kingdom into view, and probably one of the greatest teachers on the Tabernacle of Moses that I've heard in my lifetime. The only ever one ever that I ever heard who's in heaven now was Dr. Kelly Varner. And uh, this man of God right here took the baton and brought it to another whole dimension. Can you stand and let's honor Apostle Calvin Cook this afternoon. kind of you, Don. Uh, all right, settle down, Golden Altars. My God. Got all our family come down uh, from San Jose to join this uh, tremendous meeting, <coughs> uh, Love and Unity, under the direction of the angel of this house and ministry, Apostle Eddie and our Sally, they have just been uh, tremendous in their leadership, the senior counsel to my beloved brothers, sisters, sister, uh, uh, I can't even have words to tell you what our, our friendship has done to enhance me as a person. It's been incredible. Um, there were times, I, I, to be very honest with you, I felt lonely. Uh, not because I'm not around a lot of people, but I wasn't around a lot of people I could talk to. If you can be in a crowd, there may be a couple of people in that crowd you can really share with without it getting, without it leaking. And, I, and uh, the, the Lord has knitted us together. Uh, with, uh, and I mean knitted us together. Where uh, I like what Barry said the other day. He's actually taken each one of our pictures and pinned it inside of his prayer closet. So every time he goes into his prayer closet, he's looking at the senior council. Man, what a man of God. I miss you, Barry. I miss you being here with us. Uh, God has really brought us together. And then look at all the wonderful people I meet with you once a week. A lot of you, I know you on Zoom. Uh, I've been doing the Zoom thing for six years now. Uh, but uh, this has been the uh, fruit of it. These, these, these ministry times we've had together in Texas, Oklahoma, Arkansas, and uh, San Jose, Pomona, Ontario. Uh, now we're headed out after this conference into Ohio, Cleveland, Ohio area. So, Hallelujah. Uh, and it's, uh, it's all because you've made this possible. Give yourself a round of applause. No, don't patty cake. Now, wait a minute. Now I, don't, now, I don't play when it comes to stuff like that. I say give yourself a round of applause in here. Right. Uh, we have much to teach you about celebrating. When we say celebrate in our house, the shingles start shaking in the room. Come on. We celebrate. We and, and, and let me share a mystery with you that may help you understand the spontaneity of God. Whenever you ask God for something and you don't celebrate, 
before you get the answer, it's not, you're not going to get it. One of the proof texts of our walk with God is when you ask the God with his capabilities and power and might, not to expect him to answer his prayer, is blasphemy. So when, you're, when you ask God and he don't see you celebrating, that means you don't believe he can do it. Oh, yeah. It's called doubt and unbelief. Father, I just need you to do a miracle for me right now, Father. And then, oh, oh, thank you, Father. Amen. You know, what was that? You, you, some parts are missing from that thing. Where, where is the praise? Where is the glory? Where is the trust in me that I'm capable and willing to bring the answer? I'm, I'm charged. Uh, they asked me not to do notes in prayer on Wednesday night, so I don't have any notes. But I will be teaching out of the book of Romans, the eighth chapter, part of chapter 7. I want to bring, I want to let you know how much help you have in being successful in the fulfillment of the mandate that's on your life. Uh, one of the things I want to bring clarity to is that sometimes, let me just do this. Father, I thank you uh, for your mercy and your grace that's been extended to the ministry, uh, the favor of God. I want to thank uh, the Holy Spirit Broadcasting Network for trusting Apostle Eddie and entrusting us. You didn't have to do that. We honor you today. Bill, we honor you. We honor your yes. vision, your yes. dream. Yes. We honor the person that you are and that beautiful wife of yours. We, we ask God for strength for you, for the, your schooling, the, the things that you're doing around the world and the nations of the world. Thank you for trusting us with such a great responsibility. I just wanted you to know how honored we are for you to have found us, uh, to give us the, the, the responsibility of reaching 200 nations through television. It's incredible right? and, and, uh, that what God has done uh, uh, for loving unity. And you know what's so interesting about it? You helped us. You helped us. You support us. You, 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 you know, you, you, you're in agreement with our charge, and I want to thank you for that. It means a lot to me. It means a lot to the senior council, and I know it means a lot to Apostle Eddie. And I want you to know we, we are not angry with anyone because I know something I'm going to share with you that will keep you from anger. If, if you listen carefully this morning, it will keep you from being discouraged and disappointed. If you have your ear open this morning, you will find that you are not a victim on any level at, at any time. Amen. And whether you be in India, whether you be in Africa, or wherever you are, you don't need man to help you. You need God. And he's the same God in India, Africa, or anywhere else that he is here. Uh, Sometimes I get the impression that people think they need Americans. You don't need Americans. You need Jesus. We push that thing long enough, and we need to put that thing to sleep. You need Jesus. The answer is in Jesus. Let's go now before the Lord. Let me run this thing uh, to you. It's in my spirit. I really, but I want to stay true to Scripture if I can, uh, because there's a there's a message in the Book of Romans. 
I've read the many commentaries. I've looked at all of the different uh, exegeted and gone back and looked at every word in this chapter. And I don't find in this chapter what many people say that it's about. We got a lot of echo. We can get rid of that. Uh, I won't get on your nerves. You have to hear me twice. <laughs> that, that echo that's on that bad boy. I'm going to roll here in a minute. I'm going to go ahead and start releasing the word under the anointing. And, but I want to make sure that I communicate what the Father spoke to me. He didn't, he, he, it's not about uh, how can you do what a Robin does. You can't. Only Robin can do that. How, where am I going to be Ronnie? I'll never be Ronnie. But man, he's good enough to be Ronnie by himself. And there's no way for me to try to one-up on my son, uh, Andrew. Uh, he's been with me since he's 10 years old. How do you, you don't want to do that. But he's enough. Amen. And I, I wouldn't want any of us to duplicate each other because the mandate and the charge on your life the fivefold ministries when we talk about equipping the saints and we misunderstand it we think it's school books and paper and pencils when it's actually the work of the Holy Spirit the work of the ministry is to make you look like Jesus that's it it's not church work it's not the work of the church it's the work of the ministry. The ministry is that you come into full stature and measure of the image of the living God, who is the Christ. Any other work that you find yourselves doing is called dead works. Dead works only implies to the fact that you're doing something that doesn't produce the image. Whatever it is you're doing and it doesn't produce a son, it's called dead work. If you don't have strength in your loins to produce sonship, and all you've been able to do is create a membership that are not sons, then that's a dead work. Are you all right with that already? Because I feel stuff coming at me. Come on here. <laughs> Paul makes a statement. It sounds like a statement of defeat in the seventh chapter, the last verses. He said, oh, wretched man that I am. Do you remember, do you remember reading that? And, and he makes a statement. I just want to throw up your hand. Oh, wretched man that I am. Who shall deliver me from the body of this death? He's talking about the law of sin and death versus the law of the spirit of life that's in Christ Jesus. And Paul is rehearsing that there's a sentence of death for those of you that want to live under the law. That's right. And Paul, as a Pharisee, was a Pharisee of Pharisees. Amen. He was that man who was taught under Gomero. He was taught by the, the chief teachers. And he was a brilliant man. That's why God gave him to write those books in the New Testament canon. And Peter only wrote two. It wasn't because Peter... Uh, it's because Peter didn't have the, the mind and the intelligence to write the other books. But Paul did. God will use your intelligence. Oh, don't tell me God, but he doesn't want you to use your intelligence to use him. 
Now, God wants you to be intelligent, but he doesn't want you to put that ahead of him because your intelligence next to him is like a grain of sand. Then, he's, then he gives an answer here. He says, listen, I'm, I'm going to take you on a walk in just a minute. He says this, I thank God through Jesus Christ, our Lord, so then that with the mind I myself serve the law of God, but with my flesh the law of sin. Amen. But then, he, watch this, you can't stop there, though, and you can't start surmising. Remember, the Bible was not written in chapters. And so the flow of Holy Spirit doesn't stop with chapters 1 and 2. It's one continuous thought that comes out of the logic of God, the mind of God, to bring us to alignment with his purpose. That's what it's for, to align us with, not to begin to argue over what he's saying, but to bring us into alignment. And, you know, sometimes I, I walk and I see disalignment in people. I don't say anything to them. But I, their spirit and their soul are not in sync. And so that means if you can't get your soul to follow after your born-again spirit, that means you could go off course. Even though you're saying all the right things, if there's no marriage between your soul and your spirit, then you will not follow the spirit of God and you will not come into sonship because it takes the soul in the spirit because the spirit is the porter of the Lord that opens the door to your music, to your pornography, or to whatever it is, good or bad. Your soul determines what gets into it. Because that's the seed of your will and your decision-making processes are in your soul. So God... What God is after and what Satan is after is to get your soul. Because whoever has your soul has your life. Whoever got your soul has you. The seed of your emotions, the seed of your intelligence, what you desire, what you think, and how you feel. Once the enemy or your spirit man has that, now it creates a walk either for God or a walk contrary to God. There's many in the body of Christ today that are soulish Christians, soulish ministry. They appeal to the smoke machine and the laser lights because they know people like to be entertained, which means entertained from your purpose. Anytime you have to be entertained, it stops you from, uh, it, it, it detains you from God's purpose for your life. You see people today with their cell phones, ministers, children, it, it, it go to lunch, everybody's in here because they found something to detain them. Because you're not going forward gazing down. You only go forward when you look up. Isn't it, isn't it interesting that the devil has devised these devices that make you keep your head down? I ain't tracking with Everybody looking down. But the Bible says, look up. Now, once Paul says, oh, wretched man that I am, here comes that chapter 8. 
Come on, you, you got to see this, but I don't want you to do Greek and Hebrew on me because that's got a limitation imposed upon it because man put that together. That was not put together by God. But the scripture, the word of God is God's mind about you and I. This is his thoughts, his logic, his look. Jesus was the logical idea from the mind of God for salvation to come into the earth. He was God's logic. And you became the logos. You are the logos of God. You are God's idea. That's why he planted you all in San Bernardino and Inland Empire and all these different, different communities, these 15 different cities that he calls the Inland Empire. You were planted here with the idea of salvation in God's mind for planting you. So he planted you so that the kingdom would come in the region where he sown you. He didn't, ask, he didn't ask nobody to start no church and start a religion. He didn't ask nobody to come up with 32,000 different denominations and all this separation. That, was, that come from the mind of man, the mind of God that had one incorruptible seed in a people planted in Ontario. And because the seed was an apple seed, let me use that as an example, then we all can look for the same kind of tree. Well, if the seed is the son of God, then we ought to be seeing the son of God all over this in, in, in the empire. There's only one seed. Are you, are you tracking with me? Now, let's see what he says, and I'm going to move on down, because I, I can't do uh, every verse in this chat, but I'm going to take you to some critical where I think we need to make some adjustments. There's some places that in our walk with God, we need to make some adjustments. Every time Ronnie hugs me, I get a chiropractic adjustment. He's a character, man. I love him. I love that guy. It says, there is therefore now, he says, once he said Christ is the answer, somebody say Christ, Christ. is the answer. Yeah. Now, what I want to do, I'm going to bring definition of what that looks like, him being the answer. Because we can say, oh, he's the answer. But what does that look like in your day-to-day -day life, yeah. him on. being the answer, I see. Because many of us came in today, and you came in without answers. Yeah. So are you not in Christ? Yeah. And the question would be, then why don't you have the answer? Right. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? If you're somewhere where the answer is, why are you walking and don't have the answer? Why are you living without the answer? Why are you suffering in a kingdom Come on, that has the power to deliver you from the thing you're suffering from? Now, I know you suffer to get into the kingdom, but why are you suffering in the kingdom you suffer to get in? Yeah, 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 yeah. So here's what he says. There is there now no condemnation for them that are in the messianic age or in the Christ who is Jesus who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. He said, there are no buildings, there are no temples in my house that's been condemned. There is no one in my ecclesia, in my presence, in my kingdom that has a sign of condemnation upon them. Any man, any woman, any black, any white, any person, any entity that comes into the Christ 
is a new creation, and there is therefore now no condemnation. You got to be careful when you condemn what God has brought into a place of no condemnation. You got to be careful what you're talking about. Once God says there's nothing that's been condemned, that's in Christ. And unfortunately, you and I don't get to decide who's in Christ. A lot of people talking against the anointing. People talking against the things of God. The people of God. You know, you get to make mistakes in the kingdom of God. You may fall in the kingdom. God never told anybody they're going to live a perfect life. He said you're going to be brought to perfection, which doesn't necessarily mean your life is perfect, but you're mature enough to understand that it isn't. And then you understand the word unto what it means to be in a metatorical system which allows you to get up seven times. You get to get up from your fall. Hey, 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 now. Remember, you fail in a place where there's no condemnation. So you can get up. Don't make a memorial of your fall. Quit talking about your mistake. Quit talking about your sin. Quit talking about what you did. And do not take your sin to prayer. It, sin does not belong in the prayer room. It was hung on the cross that your handwriting of the ordinance that were against you were nailed to the tree. Don't take them off the tree and take them to prayer. Are you listening to what I'm saying to you? I'm going to show you your help. I don't think you understand what God has done for you. And because we don't understand the workings of the Holy Spirit, we don't know what to do. And we settle for a common life. There's three kinds of salvations. I don't have them all with me, but one is called common salvation. One is called a great salvation. And one is called, what? Eternal salvation. Those are stages that you begin to grow up in your salvation. Yeah, you got saved, but you're yet morphing into what's being saved look like. Amen. And then you move on into, well, my God, I have lived saved, was saved. Now I'm living out what salvation. So there's stages of it. But you can't be a little bit of pregnant. So if you saved, you saved. And we got to stop telling people, well, you're just a sinner, saved by grace. And, uh, no, no, there's no sinners in the kingdom. This is a kingdom of a redeemed community. We're in a common wealth, and the wealth that we carry is his salvation. Who is the Christ? We're the seed of the son is in each one of us. Incorruptible life of the Christ. That's our treasure we carry in this earthen vessel.
And the Bible says we grow up to be the temple of the Lord. So he's working in us, not outside of you in the law of legalism, telling you what you can't do. And even some of the prophets are operating legalistically by telling you, you this and that, this is going to happen to the world and doom and gloom. Lying prophet. Liar. You lie against the spirit of God. But this is the greatest day man has ever had an opportunity to live in the spirit of God. There has never been a time on the earth where we can live in the glory of God that he wants to reveal in his saints. There's never been a people that he has trusted like he trusts this generation. Yay, my God. Glory to God. He said, for the law of the spirit of life in Christ has made me free from the law of sin of death. So there's no more law of sin and death against you. You've been made free from that. And now you're partaking of the law of the spirit of life. There's a life in the spirit. In new, it's called pneumaticos. That means you're not driven emotionally. You're not driven intellectually. You're not dealing with or driven by how you feel. You know, I notice that you don't feel bad when you're getting your nails done. You get all 10 of them nails done. I notice that you don't get tired when you're shopping. But, but in a minute, you say, I'm too tired to go to church. Uh, honey, you go ahead, honey. Why can't you be on time with your husband? Why you got to come late every Sunday? That's because your soul is not in alignment with your spirit. Because if you knew you were going down to the house of God, your soul would line up to the journey. And you would have everything prepared for that day you knew you were going into the house of the Lord. It's like you went and got your nails done. You didn't show up late. And you did not leave early. I got to help you here. I'm going to help you. You let me help you. Y'all laughing because you know. For what the, wall, what the law could not do, that it was weak through the flesh, God sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh, for the sin, for sin condemned. For sin condemns, condemns sin in the flesh, that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. Are you with me? Now, I got to move to a place. Oh, let, me, let me go one more verse in verse 6. Then I'm going to show you how to get the victory over some things that are happening now and about to advance against the kingdom of God. 
And I'm not like, uh, I traveled for 18 years as a prophet, and uh, I was a true prophet because I didn't go in there talking about you're going to get some, a car, a home. I would bring alignment to the body of Christ. Yeah. I was the kind of prophet to tell you you're going to die. And unfortunately, they did die when they didn't obey. Oh, yeah. God would show me pictures. This guy's smoking crack. I said, oh, my God, let me warn you. He said, sir, don't do that no more. He went right out there and lit up that pipe and blew his heart out. That wasn't prophetic. That was a word of knowledge. I said, God, I said, sir, those people are pedophiles. Those are my staff. And he put me out the hotel, made me sleep in my van. I was in my van, oh, woe is me. God says, no, 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 oh, woe is him. They put you out in the van. The next day, I get a phone call from Modesto, California, that they caught the entire child care staff in pedophilia. Closed down the entire. But God, see, the prophet don't come in like that all the time. Sometimes, and that's not bad in doom and gloom. That's reality. That ain't got nothing to do with doom. That has to do with human behavior that's out of sync with the kingdom purposes. When the word went out, I would come to church, and they would run. I saw them. Here come the prophet. I said, oh, my God. They were afraid that I was going to see something in their underwear. They were running. I'm telling the truth. They were running. I said, man, where are you running from? I don't operate this on demand. Do you have a word? No, I don't have a word. I just got in an argument with my wife. What do you mean do I have a word? I'm living on the Belco Cross. I'm trying to be saved up in here. Do I have a word? No, I don't have a word. But give me a moment to repent, and I'll come back with a word. <laughs> we try to act like we're not human. Boy, shame on us. Perfect people know where walking anywhere. I don't care what their title is. Liar, liar, pants on fire. These guys walking around all sanctimonious. And, my God. Come on, body of Christ. I've been doing this a long time. I do not front a fake fraud or phony. It is what it is. And I'm living for God with all that I have within me. And the only thing that keeps me from sin is I'm afraid of God. If I hadn't fallen, if I wasn't afraid of sin, I might have fallen already. But I count the concept. Some people count what they build. I count when I fall. I said, if I did that, oh, my God, my wife would be disgraced. The church would be disgraced. I would be disgraced. But most of all, Christ would be disgraced. Because we ain't going to do that. <laughs> Come on here. Wake, wake up here. I said, wake up here. You be counting when it comes to give your tithe. You say, well, I made 100. Let's see, one, two, three. Okay, I'm going to get 10. Well, what's wrong with you? Get 
It says, because the carnal mind is enmity against God. I'm taking you somewhere. For it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can it be. So then they are that of the flesh, and the flesh cannot please God. That's why flesh in the blood cannot have an inheritance in the kingdom. And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit of life is life because of righteousness. Now, but if, if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, you heard Ronnie say that earlier, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit, by the spirit that dwelleth in you. Now, I'm gonna, now what I want to do, uh, I'm just going to be right up front with you. Uh, I see some things in you. I want to address some things. In this walk in God, we have had a misconception that we got to be perfect. That everything has to be done this way, that way. That you have to pray in a certain place all the time. You got your little prayer clause and you're religious about it too. You got a religious spirit in your prayer time. You got a religious spirit on how you pray. I remember when I first came in this thing, I was doing, somebody said, well, boy, if you're going to be a Christian, you got to pray 2.4 hours a day because there's 24 hours in the day, and you got to give God a tithe for, of your time and prayer. And like a fool, I said, okay, I'm going to do it. So 2.4 hours a day, I was speaking in tongues. My lips got chapped. Come on, somebody. I was praying. For 15 months, I'm every day. Pastor called me to his office and said, cow, 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 cow. Go home. Go home to your family. Go home. I said, Pastor, I'm working for the master. He said, you're about to create a disaster. Go home. Come on here. It's not the length of time you do anything. It's the quality of what you do. It's the purpose in which you do it. It's the understanding has been enlightened that you may be able to get done in five minutes, which some people takes an hour. Because they got sin consciousness. They've got so much junk in their trunk, it takes an hour to even know you're in the presence of God. But if you walk in the spirit and you do not fulfill the lust of the blessed, in five minutes you can get it done. My God, hear me. You don't take all that. Because <laughs> you know we can get, don't, don't, we can get seriously religious. I remember my oldest son, they'd be making noise, and I'd be in the prayer closet, and one, my son opened the door. I said, don't bother me, I'm praying. And the Spirit of God said, shut the door, let me talk to you. <laughs> you don't want him to come into your, disturb you while you're praying? He said, son, you're wasting your time in here. You haven't accomplished anything being in my presence. Jesus has suffered the children not to come. Jesus wanted the children in this, in this space. And I had gotten so religious, I said, no, you're bothering me. See, we, we, anytime somebody's bothering you while you praying to Jesus, you got a religious spirit. Yeah. 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 
that should be the most free time that you ever experience is in the presence of God. Can I get this out? Come on, come on. Yeah. Come on. Now he said he tells us, therefore, brethren, verse 12, we we are debtors not to the flesh. And, and to, uh, to live after the flesh. We don't owe our flesh a debt by the Christ to, to satisfy it uh, with its lustful desires. You don't owe that debt anymore. You do not have to fulfill the lust of your flesh, the lust of your eye. Or even in the pride of your life, thinking that you're the only one that can preach a certain, your doctrine is the only one that's good, your church is the only one that believes the truth. Everybody ought to be like you. Oh, thank God that we're not. There's many people that believe that. They believe their church, their organization, what they do and how they dress and how they look is the prerequisite of what God has called us to do. But anytime you can appraise anything from the outside, it's not of God. But God doesn't judge by the outward appearance of anything. He judges only by the heart. You can wear your dresses down to you until you step on the bottom of your hem and just be nasty as you could possibly be. You could have a two-story bun on the back of your head and still, come on somebody. That has nothing to do with holiness whatsoever. Holiness is something that takes place on the inside of you. That connects you with the outside uh, presence of God while he sits on the throne. You're just like the one sitting on the throne. Your heart reflects his life by every aspect of what you say, what you think, and what you do. Just like him, whatever he thinks is what he says, and whatever God says is what he does. It's always in sync to the person of what he represents himself to be, and that's God. That's called holiness. There's no deviation from what he's saying, thinking, or doing. It never takes away from who he presents himself to be. Be holy as he's holy. Okay, let me go here. For if we live after the flesh, watch this. I like the Bible because uh, you, you don't have to mess with it. It says you'll die. Doesn't mean you're going to die and go to the grave. It means you're going to be separated from God, which will cause you to go to the grave separated. If you, through the Spirit, do mortify the deeds of the flesh, that means put to death your deeds. That means you have the right and the power to put to death the deeds of your flesh. Now, let me explain something to you. I got completely delivered from sin but when I first got saved I didn't get delivered from the power of it I got delivered only from the penalty of it and many of us in this room we've been delivered from the penalty you're not going to go to hell but you're living like you're there If I mess with you on the wrong day, you'll cuss me. It won't be hiccup on shire either. 
<laughs> now watch, I got to take you here. It says, for as many as are led by the Spirit, here it is right here, are the sons of God. Now this is a very interesting word because it's the word technon, which means you come into the kingdom as a, no matter how many degrees you have, if you're just being born again, you're a baby Christian. The word, there is the word technon. No, excuse me. Uh, hold on. I got, I got it back. It's the word house. Now watch this because it's going to change in a minute. So what that tells you that God is prophet, prophetically placing you where he placed you when he chose you in him. What did I just say? God calls things that aren't as though they are. Watch this. He says, watch this. If you're led by the spirit, you have to be fully mature to be led by the spirit. That means that your body, spirit, soul, and body has been sanctified and brought into holiness, found blameless, come on, until or unto the coming of the maturity of Christ. So he preserves you in certain areas of your life that have been yielded to him. You may not be into pornography, but, you, but, you, but you're a liar and you steal money. I'm not getting amens on stealing the money. And you're going to be surprised what stealing the money is when you won't give him his that's due on Sunday. That's stealing the money right there. He said, when you're a thief, don't steal no more. And the worst place to pull off a theft is in the house of God. Got your hands up. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I love you, Jesus, so much. I love you. Did you give your tithe, baby? Girl? No, I don't trust you. Hallelujah. move on <laughs> now watch what happened just in the next verse he takes you from Wehas back to the beginning of the journey watch what he says here for you have not received the spirit of bondage again under fear which the bondage it was to the law it says but you have received the spirit of adoption whereby you cry Abba Father that word adoption is the word Wehasia which means now you're back to, uh, it's the word adoption. You're being placed uh, in the kingdom. In other words, it says the placing as a son in the kingdom. So now that, that you, uh, you, you uh, have been brought into his kingdom, he says, you can now call me daddy. Some of you have a hard time with that because you couldn't call your natural father daddy. You called him molester. You called him violator. You called him abuser. You, but you couldn't call him daddy. And we have that same mindset when it comes to God sometimes. We have a hard time seeing God as someone that has our best interests in mind because those in the natural never did. The spirit himself, now watch this, this is where I'm taking you, bears witness with our spirit that we are now, watch what it's going to say, technology. Wait a minute, I thought you just said I was a wee house, placed in the kingdom. Yeah, but now that you know what the prophetic word is for you, I got to take you back so you can walk to that place. Yeah. Ah. See, yeah, oh yeah, you, you are, in my eyes, you fully, but it, 
reality of where you are, you need to keep on walking. Now the process of your sonship begins. From a baby to a napios to a pation to a wehas. You begin to go through the processes of Christian development into sonship. Some of you putting preachers in the pulpit and they still got diapers on them. And you can put an old man in the pulpit. He may not have dappers on, but he got parents. He got those, you know, those. <laughs> he's still a baby, and, he's, and now he's incontinent. Because he never had a father to bring him up into maturity. And you can't be a father unless you've been a son. I'm going to jump forward now and take you to where I need to take you. I got to do that. I'm to, but I want to show you the working of Holy Spirit. And I want you to have a greater confidence in God than you ever have before. Because he's going to show you some things he's doing that you never knew he was doing while you're going through the processes that we're talking about to bring you to maturity. There's some things that God allows just in your circle because that's what you need to get you to the next place in him. Then there's some things you'll allow to happen in somebody else. So you can't run to your friends and say, what do you do? They've never been on this way before, and neither have you. And their thing that God gives them to overcome is different than yours. So you can't, you can't even get them to help you. you got to go to him. The Holy Spirit must be your best friend. Say, Holy Spirit, you're my best friend. For that to be true, you have to throw some phone numbers away. You always call them and tell them everything you should be telling the Holy Spirit. Some people you shouldn't be talking to about your husband. Some people you shouldn't be talking to things about, to, about your wife. I don't tell anybody anything intimate about my wife. My mother, my father, my friend, I don't care who it is, they don't get a right to know. I ain't getting no amen on that one right there. Amen. 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 Spirit of God bears witness that we are the technons of God, and if we are technons, then we are heirs. And that, that goes along with Galatians chapter 4. Even though you are a heir, yet you're uh, not of age, you're no more than a servant. So it clear, clarifies it here. If children are heirs and heirs with God and joint heirs with Christ, if so be that we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified with him. I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with, with the glory which shall be revealed in us. With the earnest expectation of the creature waiteth for the manifestation of the sons of God. Now watch this. And the creature was made subject to vanity, not willingly, but by reason of him that has subjected it to the same in hope. Because the creature itself also shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. Now, what did he just say? He said, when the children of God, wait a minute, hold on, let me show you this. When the children of God, the technons, come into Wehas, corruption will be delivered. The, the, the creation will be delivered from this burden of corruption when the manifestations of the sons take place.
So the whole creation is waiting for you and I to come under the right governance of the fivefold ministry because we can't get it done with an apostle. We can't get it done with a bishop. We can't get it done with a pastor. It takes the whole team. Unfortunately, don't get mad at me. There's no bishops on that team. Why do you keep trying to modify what the word of God so clearly states? Bishops are, are authorized by apostles to oversee the work of one house. The Bible does not speak of bishops being over many houses. It speaks of every man in the church is a bishop over his own house and has one wife. Every word used for bishop for pastor is the same word and connotation in terms of its usage. I wouldn't say it unless I studied it. But we don't go by what the word says. We go by what men are saying. We're so afraid of men and what they have done. And we won't even stand up and stand up in the word of God. You got men leading you that never learn how to follow. The thing got so bad. I'm going to show you this right here. Oh, my God. The thing has gotten so bad. This is what God did. He said, for we know that the whole creation, what? The creation went into a prayer meeting because the body of Christ in sonship is out of pattern that it caused the earth to go into travail. Because of the disorder of those who are supposed to have dominion over it. God says, okay, since you're not going to pay attention to my word, and you're not going to listen to my prophets, and you're going to kill the messenger and stone the prophets, I'm going to send up the earth into a prayer meeting. And it's, watch this, watch this. I want to show you something. And it says, for we know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain. The earth says, ever since Adam fell... It's been a hurting thing. There's been corruption and things have died and things that God said would have life are corrupting and marriages and homes and people. There's death and war and pestilence and famine and all these things. Ah! The, the earth is groaning and crying for the disalignment of the purposes of God in the earth. And in your marriages, you treat your wife like she's your butler. And she was co-apostle with Adam. God had the woman over the whole creation of his hand with her man. They were not separated. They had the same name. Their name was Adam. How dare you change? How dare you look down on your woman? I got attitude. <laughs> All right, let me get clear. 
Let me get cleared up here. I got attitude. <laughs> now watch. Let me take you there. Watch this. Now watch this. Watch, watch how God fixed this. This thing is fixed. And if you don't know it's fixed, you walk around broken and disenchanted and racist and sexist and everything else that's contrary to the spirit of God. When you don't understand that God is working something out in you, working in you the willing to do of his good pleasure according to his perfect will, according to, now watch this, let me help you. It goes on to say, and not only they, not only creation is groaning, but ourselves, we have the first fruits of the spirit. What are you talking about? We ourselves groan within our, we, we groan. We the believer, our born again man, is groaning because your soul is not in compliance with the journey of the spirit. You're still carnal in your thinking. And so the spirit of God in you is, oh, with the earth. Now we got a duet going. Creation is groaning, and your human spirit are groaning together, and it sounds terrible because there's some other voices that need to be added to it. So God has you groaning along with creation's groan. Watch this. Waiting for the adoption to wit, the redemption of our bodies. Because if your soul doesn't get in alignment with God's spirit and your spirit, your body will be like a wild ass, like the spirit of Esau. You know it cost Abraham 13 years of intimacy with God when he slept with Hagar. God did not speak to that man for 13 years. He told Abraham, I'm going to have your seed be like the sand in the earth and the stars in the sky. Why did he tell him that? He knew he was going to have Ishmael. Ishmael represents those of the carnal nature, the sand. And Isaac represents the stars, which are the children of the spirit. Two opposing forces. Now watch this. I'm going to move on. Verse 26. Are you ready? Let's, let's find the third groan going on here. Likewise, the Spirit also helps us our infirmities, for we know not how to pray as we ought, but the Spirit himself make an intercession for us with groanings that cannot be uttered. What? You got three people praying and groanings? I was driving down the freeway on 680. I was coming from a meeting up in Sacramento, and something hit my stomach. It was terrible. I said, oh, oh, God, oh, what is it? Traffic accident a couple miles up ahead, tragic accident. I was groaning because something that God created was dying. That's why Jesus went to the tomb of Lazarus. That's why he went to the tomb of Lazarus, and he didn't pray one word. He said he groaned. He wept and he groaned, and he, that groan spoke to death and made Lazarus come on, somebody cry. Likewise, the Spirit helpeth our intercession, our infirmity. This means you have a weakness that was inherent in you by the hand of God. It's a weakness that causes you in a way that brings deliverance to you. 
Every one of us has something that I cry out to God all the time because he always reveals my infirmities. My infirmities may not be yours. Yours may not be mine. But Holy Spirit knows them. Now watch, I'm going to show you something here. Watch this. He says, groanings that cannot be uttered. Remember I told you I was on the freeway? My stomach was making sounds, but you couldn't hear it unless he used my voice. So they were unutterable sounds, but God used my voice to bring them to my ear because faith come by hearing. So I was able to join that prayer meeting because I heard it going on. Right. And so that, 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 that sound was, oh, 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 God, something's wrong. Yeah, oh, God, oh, you want to burst something? I'm not sure. Oh, what is it? Oh, God. And as I passed by, I saw all the ambulances and the bodies laid out on the freeway. It was, and I realized that God had connected me with creation. Some of you are disconnected from creation. You could be eating your dinner. He said, 17 people got killed in the school. He said, oh, that's, ter that's terrible. Honey, pass the gravy. Oh, those biscuits are really great. Oh, my God. You can eat and watch television and eat popcorn in the midst of tragedy. That means that you're not connected with creation. Let me show you this thing. Are you ready for verse 27? Now watch this. And he that searches the hearts knoweth what's in the mind of the spirit. This is a very unusual verse of scripture. Because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the what? So he maketh intercession, this fourth intercession, specifically for the saints according to the will of God. He says, and he searches the heart, the cardia, which is the mind. Your heart, your heart doesn't have a mind. He's talking about this thing. Yeah. He calls it heart, but it's talking about the mind. Yeah. Okay. Right. Don't, get, don't be talking about your heart. Don't, your heart's not talking. It's beating. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Don't get confused. Now watch. Now watch this. <laughs> he says, now, like, now watch this. He searches the hearts. He knoweth. He knoweth. Yeah, he idol. Idol. In other words, he sees the landscape of your journey to destiny. And he sees that in your heart, Something has gotten in there that's an issue. Guard your heart yeah. with all diligence because yeah. out of it come issues. Issues yeah. is the word boundary, which means if you get the wrong thing in your heart, it will put a limitation on you achieving your destiny or reaching your destiny in God. If something racial happens to you, it won't allow you to meet the rest of the human race because one person in one human race did something to you and you got an issue about it which prevents you from having a relationship with anybody else like that. I prophesied this the other day on television that if you are treating your wife out of your custom of your, your country rather than the word of God then God can't take you where he wants you to take you because without your wife you cannot have dominion. Right. 
That's why some men don't get promoted. That's why your ministry can't go far because you think it's all about you and you left your wife out. And all you want is your wife to be as your bed buddy. Oh, yeah, you got, you got to have some food, too. You got to get your tortillas and your enchiladas cooked on time. I'm coming out here. I'm going somewhere. And so he said, he searches the heart. He knows what's in the mind. And, and, and he knows what's in the mind. That's the very, what, what you, I, you know everything. You're omniscient. You're omnipotent. He says, he understands that what happened, it says carnally. What happened to you on your journey, you had gotten a disappointment and it became an issue, which changed the way you view your walk with God. And now you're carnally minded, which is spiritually death. So he prays. The Holy Spirit's praying now and groaning according to the will of God, which gets you back on course. Are you listening to what I'm telling you? No, no I'm, I'm almost done. Now, where am I now? Watch this, body of Christ. If you heard what I've taught you, you'll understand that you can't fail. Watch what I say to you right now. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God. And to them that are called according to his purpose. For whom he did foreknow, he also predestinated to be conformed into the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Now, the word conformed is the word jointly fitted together. That means it's not you by yourself being Jesus. or the, No one by themselves reflects the image of God. It takes the body, the corporate anointed, the corporate man to reflect the image of God. Jointly fitted together, Ephesians chapter 2, yeah, verse, yeah. starting in verse 20, it says that he gave some to be apostles and prophets and the cornerstone, which is Jesus Christ. But he says, uh, and to be jointly fitted together through the what? Through the gifting and grace of the apostle and prophet, right. Jesus being the cornerstone, feeding the prophet and, right. and, and the right. apostle with uh, the direct, direct wisdom to bring proper alignment for the building of the church. Amen. Without that proper alignment, the church is what it is today, 32,000 denominations. Matter of fact, if I ask Google right now, last time I asked Google, it said there's 45,000 denominations around the world. Just ask your phone. Somebody just, just say, Google, how many denominations are there? It'll blow your mind. Don't be afraid. I'll take time out. <laughs> what did it say? How many religious denominations? I want you to see this. He got 40,000 in here. We got a serious problem by Christ. And this, a band-aid's not going to fix this. But somebody else is. Let me show you, let me show you this stuff. Okay, now what? You got 45,000 too? Okay. Okay, now watch, now watch. Let me finish this. I'm coming to an end here. So. Okay. 
things. All these groanings. You groaning, creation groaning, spirit of God groaning. We're going to find out. Jesus is at the right hand of God and make an intercession. We're going to find out. There's four intercessors already that are praying for your wholeness. You haven't even pray, you haven't even understood none of the prayer meeting yet. God instituted because He knew how great and how far Adam fell when he fell, and He set up a prayer meeting with His creation to bring His Son back into order, to bring His Son back into the order into the earth realm. I'm gonna show it to you, Lord. He says, for, for oh Lord Jesus, He says, for for moreover, whom did He predestinate? predestinate he also called, to whom he called, he also justified. And to whom he justified, he also glorified. So you've been glorified. Now you know you don't feel like you've been glorified. Some of you have been horrified. He says that you've been glorified. He says you've been glorified. Say, I've been glorified. Convince yourself, I've been glorified. The devil needs you to hear, he needs to hear you say that you agree with God that he's glorified you. And that's why I get so afraid when I heard you say, God, glory, power, power, now, fire. What are you doing that for? You got the glory. You don't know how to use it. He says this, what shall we say then to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? If he spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall we not with him also freely, freely give us all things? Who can say anything against his elect? That's you. I'm going to say that one more time. Has anything, anybody been talking against you? Have you been talking against yourself? Then, you're, then you are at odds with the will of God against yourself. Now, let me take you a little further. Verse 34. Then I'm going to fold this down and I'm going to take you out of here. I want to show you something here to set me free. I, I, I laid down and just said, I'm going to be honest with you, God. I'm a mess. He said, well, you just caught up with it through Revelation. <laughs> He's been a mess a long time, man. He said, but I'm okay with your mess because you're an honest person. And I can trust you. Oh, you're a hot mess, he told me. But I'm trustworthy. Once I get my word, it's my word. Still a mess. This is what he says. Who is it that condemns? Who can come against you once he elected you? Remember, no buildings in the kingdom are condemned. Be careful. Watch it. Watch what you're saying. I know they're messing up on TV. I know some of the guys that are ordained of God, some of the guys that have represented, but I love them. They're still children of God. Ask God to give me a love for them, especially when they fall. Help me, God. I'm talking about them now, but I don't want to talk about them. I want to help them get up. It gives you glory when they fall and get up. It 
It don't take a man to kick a man when he's down. When I grew up in Compton, we'd be fighting, and somebody would go to the ground. And in those days, we wore old man compasses and suspenders. It looked bad because we're talking about people sagging their pants, but our pants was up so tight, it was like, make your voice squeal a little bit. You look like this. <laughs> I'm not telling you nothing else. Stop it. But when somebody fell down, it was like that's the worst thing to do. They would start kicking you. Kick a man while he's down. That's where I, that's where I saw that. If you went down, you were done. You were done. I ran before they got to the kicking part. I ain't going to lie. I got a scholarship to run track in college. Amen. We were state champions. I could run. The only time I got kicked is when the police stomped me, and I caused that. If I'd have left, left them alone, they wouldn't have had to beat me up. But I couldn't cut that mouth to be quiet. <laughs> so they beat me because of what I was saying about them. Your mother's a skin diver at the car wash. I was just talking about it really bad. That, you'll catch that later on. Now watch this, watch this. Who is it? Is it is not Christ the one that died for you? Yea, rather than uh, he's risen again, and even at the right hand of God, who also make a, uh-oh, we got a, a, another intercessor? Wait a minute. I got creation. I got me. I got the Holy Spirit. Now I got the Son. Who maketh intercession for us. Why? Because he's making sure nothing can separate us from the love of God. No tribulation, no distress, no persecution, no famine, no nakedness, no peril. He says, for it is written. He says, this prayer meeting is keeping you from being separated. Because all things work together for the pur- those who are called according to the purpose. So I made sure you answer the purpose by this prayer meeting going on. And then as we close, go to Hebrews chapter 12, verse 24. Let me close this meeting out. Verse 24. Are you ready? This is what it says. And it says, <laughs> it says, to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the blood sprinkling that speaketh better than the things of Abel. You mean I got a fifth intercession? Interceding. The blood felt, see, look, when the blood hit the ground, it began to speak in tongues. When Jesus was hanging on the cross, his blood from his head, the wound was, it began to speak. Better th- Abel's blood was crying out for vengeance. Jesus' blood was crying out for mercy, from the mercy seat. So now I got creation, we ourselves groaning, the Holy Spirit groaning. Jesus making intercession, and now I got the blood that's speaking on my behalf. I got five stones in my thing making intercession for me. The only one missing from the prayer meeting is you.
And what he did, wait a minute, he satisfied that. He says, okay, Ephesians chapter 2, he said, I, I set you together in him so the sixth man could sit down in the seventh man. And bring and, and deliver creation from the corruption that it's been under. Marshall McGee always says, oh, can you be the one, are you one of the ones that hear the cry of creation to lift the burden by manifesting sonship? This whole chapter is about manifesting the predetermined purposes of God through prayer and intercession and groanings that cannot be articulated through the Greek or Hebrew. You don't, you, you, you don't need to get a, a definition of that. You need to become a practitioner. That's right. That's right. I yield my time. can say is I don't know anything. <laughs>